Revelation chapter 12. And uh, let's read at verses 7 to 12. Revelation chapter 12 at verse 7. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And, this, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death, Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Well, I thought that this was a particularly appropriate uh, message that we have come upon in our study of Revelation as we begin the new year. Uh, it's a text, and especially verse 11 is what I want to focus on. And they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. As we think about the uncertainties that come from one year to the next, we are taught in God's Word that to believe in Christ is to be a conqueror. Not that you're going to be a conqueror, but that in Christ you are a conqueror. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. So it's a present reality, isn't it? it, it it's, we go out from victory. We go out into the year, which is only a, in its infancy, isn't it? Just by a few hours. Uh, we go out into the world, into the year, with the... Uh, Questions, the great questions of life already settled. And just as we begin each week uh, with the beginning of, of, on, on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, it was such a radical shift. The death and resurrection of Jesus was so radical, they moved the, the day, the Lord's Day, from the su- Saturday, the Sabbath, to the first day of the week. That's when the church began to meet and began to worship God. The death of Jesus was, meant such a, a seismic shift in the, the uh, community of God's people. But it symbolized this idea that we move out into the week, every week, from the Lord's Day. We, we're not moving towards something, we're moving out of something. And that uh, is... What the Bible says is true for all believers. And that's one of the things that we see in this. And it's important that we qualify that, the idea of conquering through faith in Jesus. How did they overcome? 
Why are they conquerors? Uh, and then to ask the question, does that describe my present state? The Bible puts the cross of Jesus at the very center of human history. The Bible puts the cross at the center of every sermon that is preached. Every Lord's Day, the cross is at the center. And so it's God saying to us, God putting in our face, as it were, each Sunday, what have you done? Are you a conqueror? Where are you? And the Bible clearly tells us in Colossians, in the epistle that we read, in chapter 1, that God has delivered us out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. What does that say about us? Does it say that we are, is there a third kingdom? Is there a third place that people, well, I'm not in that kingdom, but I'm not in this kingdom either. I'm in a kind of a neutral kingdom. I'm on the fence. And the Bible says no. The Bible puts it in black and white categories. That to be in Christ, to be saved, is to be taken out of the dominion of darkness. It doesn't matter if we sit in a church. It doesn't matter if we are well-behaved or decent citizens. Uh, We can still be in that kingdom. And as we see in this passage, the devil is a deceiver. He is the deceiver of the world. It's held up for us. It's emphasized because the devil is good at what he does. What a title to have. The deceiver of the whole world. That means the devil is able to blind people, to deceive them into thinking they are good with God, or they are saved when they are really not saved at all. That simply the outward observance of religion can save them rather than a a change of heart, a change of one's own nature. And so the devil devil is held up for us here in this passage as someone that we are to take seriously. Someone that we are to feel the sense of being overwhelmed by. The sense that he is the deceiver of the world. And that we don't have the wherewithal, we don't have the intelligence to go up against someone like that. But this passage, verses 7 to 12, is really a retelling of verses 1 to 6. It's talking about this battle that's going on, repeating over again the the battle between Christ, the devil, and the church. And so he retells that here in the, in the language of this war. Let's look at verse 7. Now a war ro- arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Now this is a very strange idea for us, Because we typically think of heaven as a place of rest and a place of safety. A place where there is no demonic activity or presence or darkness whatsoever. And so what are we thinking about here? What are we looking at? Well, again, the Bible gives us clues. 
Where do we look when we try to understand what does it mean for the devil to be and his angels to be present in heaven and, and then not present in heaven? Um, we go back to the Old Testament and we think of the book of Job. And in the book of Job, we have the sons of God coming and presenting themselves before God and Satan came with them. Satan is called in the Bible the accuser of the brethren. And up until a certain point, the devil had access even to the presence of God in this way. We're clearly told that in the book of Job. Where uh, the devil comes before God, Satan comes before God, and he accuses Job. He says he is only following you because you have put a hedge around him. And you're giving him all sorts of good things. And he accuses Job. And this seemed to be, before the coming of Jesus, the case with the saints of the Old Testament, where they are accused day and night. It says, um, look at verse 10. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. So that before Jesus' death on the cross, and, and this, is, this is the time frame that we're looking at because the death of Jesus here, which is central to the book of Revelation and central to this chapter, is the defining break between the devil being there and no longer being there. And so there is, over the course of the ministry of Jesus, and especially the, the time when Jesus was crucified, there is reflected in heaven something going on on earth. So there is this battle, this war that is being engaged with Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, against the devil himself and his angels. So that there is, before Jesus' death, there seems to be this engagement of the devil and his angels in the court of God. One person has said it this way, the justice of these accusations that the devil was bringing before the saints, in other words, all the Old Testament saints, accusing them. What about Samson? What about Moses? What about accusing them day and night before God? There was this chorus of accusation, just as he was accusing Job. Oh, Job only follows you because you're giving him lots of good things. See what's happening? Accusation. And the, this person goes on and says, the justice of these accusations was recognized by God. And Satan's presence in heaven was tolerated, but now the presence of the crucified Savior in God's, uh, uh, in, in God's presence answers Satan's accusations. This is the turning point. And it's something that we don't think about a lot. That before 
the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And as we find it in the book of Job, that Satan the accuser had a certain access before God to accuse the saints. And we're clearly shown that. Who accuses them, verse 10, day and night before our God. And so all these accusations against all the Old Testament saints were coming up by the devil against, before God against the saints. And, and as this person so uh, uh, clearly puts it, the accusations were recognized by God. But now with the coming of Jesus... Jesus Himself in the Gospels says, now is Satan cast out. The ruler of this world is cast out. Now is the judgment of this world. And now shall the prince of the world be cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto Me. On another occasion, Jesus sends out His disciples to preach the Gospel of the Kingdom. And when they come back, they say, we were doing spiritual battle. Even the demons were subject to us in Your name, Lord. What does Jesus say? You remember? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's what Jesus says. Jesus recognizes that with His coming, there is a decisive break now between what the devil was allowed and permitted to do up until this point, and now what takes place. Jesus has come to clear, clear the house. He has come to bring balance. And this is now what He is doing. Paul describes it there for us in Colossians. When he says, God made us alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And then what happens? He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. That is, in Christ. Notice, it was only when the cross happened that the weapons that the devil was using against the saints of God were now finally smashed and broken. The accusations could no longer stand that he was bringing against Abraham and Moses and, uh, and all of these people, and Samson and Jephthah and, and so on. But now, a clear break has taken place. Verse 10, And I heard a loud voice in heaven. In heaven! They're declaring it in the place where the battle has been engaged. Where the accusations have been hurled. And now in that very place, it's say, the chorus is now, 
now salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Can you imagine what that was like for those in the presence of God to hear the the accusations flying against the brothers? And this is the content now of their song. This is where their joy is arising because they said those voices have been silenced. We know what it's like. If you, were, if you hear someone saying certain things that constantly grate on your heart and mind, and then to finally hear an end to that. Not simply because the volume has been turned down. That's how some people want to deal with their sin. Let's turn down the volume or turn up the volume in something else. Career or good works, let's turn the volume up in those things so we forget about it. No, God is not turning up the volume to drown out the accusations. He's not turning down the volume on the accusations. He's dealing with the accusations that are now being brought before the saints. We see that in verse 11. And they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. This is the means by which the devil's accusations, whether it's the Old Testament saints or whether it's the accusations against you or I, are now silenced and dealt with. Not by God, as I say, turning down the volume, but doing something decisive about those accusations. He sends His Son into the world and He becomes a human being like us. He takes our, His stand with us as a human being. Why? Because the offense that got us into this mess is from our side. It's we who have done it. It's one of us who got us into this mess. Adam, through Adam, sin came into the world. But through the, the, the second Adam, the Lord Jesus, who becomes a babe in the manger. Emmanuel, God with us, so human that He had to be wrapped in swaddling clothes and fed and protected and nourished. And through that identification with us as a human being, He bears the punishment on our behalf. Just as on our behalf Adam got us into this mess, so Jesus on our behalf takes us out of this mess. That's why He is called the second Adam. He's the the representative of a whole new group of people. And through faith in Him, we become a member of that. But how do they overcome? They overcome by the blood of the Lamb. How do we answer those accusations that the devil throws at us? That our conscience drives into our our hearts. We have no ingenuity. We have no goodness to go up against Satan's accusations. We have nothing. Absolutely zero. And that's the point of this. What they're bringing to the table is that which has been given to them 
from God. The blood of the Lamb. The Lamb. Capital L. Not the lambs of the Old Testament which could not take away sin. The blood of bull and goat, bulls and goats could not atone for sin, but the blood of the Lamb, capital L, can. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that's what he's saying here. They overcome. We are overcomers through nothing in and of ourselves, but simply through faith in the one who overcame on our behalf. Who answers the accusations because he was accused of what you did. And what I did, he became guilty of that. That's what we need to remember, that on the cross, Jesus legally became guilty of all the sins in this room. And he died for them, and he was punished for them. And it is through our identification with him that now we appropriate all the power and the mercy and the blessing that goes with that. And here he is talking about the saints of God. They have overcome, overcome him. You think, well, how can I overcome someone who is called the great dragon, the ancient serpent, the devil, Satan? These are all his names. The deceiver of the whole world. That's the glory of it. That weak, lost people like you and I, simply in times like this, hearing the free and full offer of the Gospel to our souls, can in our brokenness, in our, in our poverty, call out to the One who died for sinners. And all is ours in Christ. It's done. We are victors. We are overcomers. And that's why the Bible puts it at the very center of it. They conquered Him by the blood. That word by is so important. It's so central. Friends, listen. If God is saying to you, the Maker of heaven and earth, your Maker, the One who put together your DNA, the One who holds your breath in His hands, if He is saying this morning that your only hope is through the cross and the blood of Christ, are you going to defy Him? Are you going to argue with Him? No. Friends, we must, as we recognize all of God's good gifts in the world around us, our family, our loved ones, the beauty of the, of the created world that we see, will we now stop and say, I'm going to stop right there and not... No, we can't. so much love. There's so much intensity. There's so much grace and mercy bound up in these things. And God is saying to us in no uncertain terms that you're only a victor through the cross. That the accusations that are brought before the judgment seat of God about you can only be answered by the cross of Jesus. That's what makes this 
huge, decisive break between the war in heaven and the devil being cast down to the earth. It's when Jesus said, Not my will, O God, but Thy will be done. Not my will, but Thy will. And He went to the cross. He ascended the cross. The nails were driven into His hands. He was forsaken by the Father because He was guilty. Really guilty. Of what you and I have done. Therefore, there is no turning up or turning down of the volume. There's only substantive dealing with the accusations. These accusations must be dealt with. God knew it. God wouldn't be God if He just turned up the volume or turned down the volume. God can't do that. He wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be good. Those accusations have to be dealt with. And this is why there is this loud cry in heaven, Now! Salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been uh, thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. They have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb. But secondly, the word of their testimony. How do we overcome the accusations of the devil? The blood of Christ. What do we do now with that knowledge? We take that testimony out into the world. We keep preaching it to ourselves. We keep preaching that testimony when the devil comes in like a flood. When the accuser of the brethren comes in and wants to overwhelm your heart and mind with accusations, you overcome by the testimony of the Gospel. The Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, it is all there. The Gospel. You overcome. You come to church after maybe having a week where you're just thrown down to the ground with discouragement and accusation and feeling terrible about yourself. And you come afresh. Even though the devil may try to keep you from going. Give you a million different reasons why you shouldn't be there. But you get there and you finally discover how foolish I was to underestimate the grace, the amazing grace of God. And now the burden, my burdens are lifted again. I'm, I'm set free like a bird from a cage again. The song has come back into my heart. And I know I'm forgiven. Because I've heard the Gospel, the testimony, once again. This again is why I say it was through the preaching of the Gospel of the Kingdom that Jesus said, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. It wasn't the economic or the political ingenuity of the disciples. It wasn't their craftiness. No, they had no craft. What did they... You know how uncrafty Peter was? Jesus says to him, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. You're like wheat. You're like chaff in his hands. But I have prayed for you. It was through the preaching of the Word. That's why the French philosopher Voltaire said, if we would destroy 
the Christian religion, we must first destroy their belief in the Bible. And that's why I have made it an earnest point from this pulpit to reinforce like a broken record the inspiration and the authority of God's Word. That this Bible is true and you need to know that it's true. Because you are living in a world of moral upheaval at your work, by the coffee machine, by the water cooler, in your schools, wherever it is. I was watching a video just yesterday of of how many contemporary Christian artists have fallen to the ways of the world and are now espousing the deviant sexual uh, norms of today. Accepting same-sex marriage, accepting all of these things, accepting transgenderism and so on. Big names, big Christian names. That's why I am always trying to show you that the Word of God can be trusted. Unless we have that foundation, we can't move forward. We need confidence in the Word of God. We need the confidence that Jesus had where He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. The Scriptures say, the Scriptures cannot be broken. The Spirit of God said through David, We need the confidence of Jesus. We need the confidence of the Apostle Paul who said all Scripture is breathed out by God. We need the confidence of the Apostle Peter who said that holy men of old were carried along by the Holy Spirit and spoke the things of God as God gave them to them. We need the confidence of John who said that which was from the beginning which we have handled, which we have heard, which we have seen, we now proclaim unto you that you might have fellowship with us. And we, through that Word, through the message of the Gospel contained in that Word, now go out and overcome. That's why the Bible is called the sword of the Spirit. And this is why Paul would not preach any other gospel. This is why he would call down a curse on anyone who would preach any other gospel than what he preached. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? Because he knew that only that gospel would save. And only the gospel will save. Only the message of Jesus Christ crucified for lost sinners will save. And that's where we as conquerors, we who are now almost 12 hours into 2023, are conquerors because we have, if you have believed in Jesus, you have overcome by the blood. You have the answer of the accusations against you have been silenced. But going out from that, you now take the message of the gospel to your family, to your children, day in, day out day in, day out, week after week, month after month, sowing, watering, building, evangelizing, sitting with your friends over coffee at Tim Hortons, talking to your friend at school, wherever you may be, and using those moments as 
stepping stones to say, do you know Jesus? The other day I ran into a fellow at the... I was out walking and I ran into a guy and he was a young fellow, about 30, and he was saying how he was working at the potatoes and he had gotten his finger caught in a belt and the top of his finger came off and the doctor said to him, you're a lucky young man, you could have bled out. And he was telling me all this and he was telling me in the light of, you know, he uh, has a whole bunch of jobs and he says, we all love money, don't we? This is what he was saying to me and, and he was using all sorts of language and so on. Then I had that, there was that awkward moment where I said, well, I'm a, I, 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 I'm a preacher of the, the word. I, I preach in church. And, but I said to him, where do you think you would have been if you had bled out? Where, what do you think would have happened if things hadn't gone the way they are right now? And it led to a wonderful hour-long conversation about his soul and about the gospel and, and so on. But sometimes we can take little jumping-off points like that to challenge people and to find a way to talk about their soul and to talk about the glories of the gospel. Christmas time is a wonderful time about, for that, isn't it? The whole world is jumping on board with it, but then when you find yourself in the midst of that, you can push back with people and say, well, why do we have Christmas? Do you know what Christmas is all about? You shall call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Challenging people's presuppositions about things. Don Carson wrote, the hosts of darkness are pushed back by Christians bearing witness. The hosts of darkness are pushed back by Christians bearing witness. Giving testimony to who God is and what He has done in Christ. How else can we push back against Satan and his forces? We will be defeated if we simply keep silent. If you never share the Gospel with anyone else, you yourself are defeated. You're not pushing back the frontiers of darkness. This is how Satan is defeated. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And as we were seeing in our Bible study, testimony is not simply, you know, I had a bad drug problem or I was in prison. or I was in this. That's all part of it. That all is formed. But if that is all we say, we're not teaching the Gospel. Because 95% of the people that you talk to may not have the experience that you have and say, I'm sorry, but uh, you had a bad life and I'm sorry to hear that and I'm glad you've got fixed up. But, you know, things are going very well with me. You see, if you try to match one story for another, sometimes you know, it doesn't always work. But that's where the testimony of the Gospel comes in. This is what we hold out. This is what we hold forth. And it's this that causes hell to tremble. It's this that causes Satan to tremble. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's what John was in, on the island for in the first place. But the testimony... Not of John, but of Jesus Christ. So we learn it. We learn to adapt. We learn to find jumping off points with people. We learn to love souls more than what they think of us. We learn to craft an approach to sharing the good news with people. Because friends, it's not just about religion. The Bible pulls back the curtain here to show us a cosmic battle. 
for souls. Cosmic battle for the lives of people. And when you, it doesn't matter how plain it looks or how, how uh, you know, unexciting it may appear when you sit down with that friend, know this, that you, there is a great battle engaged. And when the devil feels that you are ready to present the gospel to that person, he will try to stir up your pride, your shame, all sorts of questions. That's where you press in and realize something of eternal significance is going on here. There's something of eternal significance when you sit down with your children day after day and read the Bible with them and make a point of it. It's eternally significant that you bring your children to church to teach them the things that... And for grandparents to do the same. These things have eternal significance. And they, don't, they come with a cost. That's why it says, for they love not their lives even unto death. There's going to be a cost to this. You rush into a burning building to seek to save someone, you know you're going to maybe get a burning timber fall on top of your head, smoke inhalation, whatever it is. And you come back out of that house and the paramedics are all over you just as they are all over the other person. There's going to be sacrifices that are made, but you have decided, just as the, the, the people that John is writing to in this book have decided that their lives are not as important as making known the Gospel. Paul says, I consider my life nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given to me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That's what we have here, friends. And we know that the task is more urgent because the devil has ramped things up. He doesn't like being thrown out of the court of heaven. He doesn't like having his accusations taken away. He knows that his time is short because of that work that Jesus did on the cross. And so it says... Rejoice, O heavens! But woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down among you with great fury because he knows his time is short. He wants to do the maximum damage in a short amount of time. And he will use all the weaponry in his arsenal, all the false teaching, all the stirring up of pride, all the deception. But the people of God now that they know, now that they understand, press in with the testimony of the Word. With the testimony of their witness. And whenever they can, they bear witness. They pray before they come to church. and They say, Lord, this person and that person is sitting there without Christ. They don't know the Gospel. And they're praying on the Saturday night before or the Sunday night. Lord, open up their hearts that they might know and understand See, that's where the battle is engaged. In our prayers. In our witness. Thankfully, it hasn't come to, uh, for most of us, in terms of giving our lives. But that is the way it is with so many in our world who put their lives on the line. They, they say, my life 
forget about it. No, I'm not counting my life as worthy if I'm not making Jesus known. If I'm not telling my friends and my neighbors about who Jesus is. And you see, where do I get that courage? Where do I get that desire to say, forget about my life, it's not worth it? It's only as you first come under the power of the blood yourself, knowing that your sins are like mountains before God, the accusations go on to the end of your life. But all that has been answered. You now have you've been set free. You have a home in heaven. You are part of the family of God. God is your Father. Jesus is your Savior. And out of the joy of that, You say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Let's pray. Lord, as we close this morning, give us grace to understand, to see uh, the things that are unseen. Not to live by sight. Oh God, help us to, to come under the power of the blood which alone is able to cleanse us from all sin and accusation. And out of that, Lord, we pray that our witness might be clear, loving, and powerful to our families, our friends, our neighbors, to whomever you put in our path. Help us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.